Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a podcast brought to you by the Triad Network. This podcast is designed to share trending topics occurring within the world and our communities and bring them a behavioral and mental health perspective. Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a Triad production. I'm your host, Charlie Dixon. My guest today is Brad Barrett. Brad serves as the Managing Director and Partner at One Capital Management, LLC a private wealth advisory firm overseeing $5 billion in assets. With an extensive background of nearly 20 years in the financial services industry, his primary focus is on enhancing investor education. Possessing the heart of a teacher, Brad shares his wealth of knowledge and experience through his weekly YouTube, podcast, and radio show, Make Your Money Matter. Brad has educated numerous individuals nationwide, guiding them in their financial planning for freedom. Brad's book, Retire Right, provides a practical guide to investment and financial planning. Brad holds a bachelor's degree in economics and political science from Arizona State University and is recognized as a certified financial planner and a member of Kingdom Advisors. We're excited to have Brad Barrett here with us today to discuss money wounds and financial therapy. Thank you so much for joining us, Brad. Oh, Charlie, I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. So uh, give us some background, Brad. What put you on the path to financial management and what was the moment you really discovered that money wounds really impact people's lives? You know, actually, it's it's for me being a financial advisor of nearly two decades now, my whole story started with something cathartic that happened in my life at 16 that I think we all have those experiences in life where you just remember exactly where you were and exactly what happened and what you were wearing that day, right? I was 16 years old. My dad had worked for a telecommunications company for like 20 years. So my, my dad was in telecom. Mom was a teacher. Grandparents were military. There was no financial anything, really, from a financial acumen standpoint in the Barrett household, per se. My dad was a company man, like a lot of people in the 80s and 90s, you know, worked there for a long time, vested interests in the company, so on and so forth. And pretty much overnight, it went bankrupt. And when I say pretty much, I mean about three days. Like it was a very large corporate bankruptcy that was basically one person, one executive at the top, just doing something wrong and thousands of people, including my father, and then the even more thousands of people, including their families were affected. And I'll never forget it. It was like July and I was turning 16 in August. I'd saved up for my truck. You know, I was working some odd jobs and, you know, you're just kind of mad. I was like, to be completely frank, I was pissed off. I was like, how could this happen to this man that I revere and all the work he's done for our family, so on and so forth. And I, to this day, Charlie, I don't know what I did or what I said. I kind of blacked out and I walked into a bank and I kind of just demanded a job because at that time, I just felt so empowered to be like, well, two things. One, I was like, I don't ever want this to happen to me, right? So I want to learn everything I possibly could. Again, no background, just kind of trying to figure it out on my own. And then at that point is when I realized, you know, God had touched my heart and that's what I was supposed to do with my life. I was very, very fortunate in, in my opinion you know, to, to have that revelation at early age. Cause I have a lot of friends. We all know, as we go grow up and find what we're trying to do in life and money comes involved with this, with in terms of your turning a passion or a hobby into a career and money's always at the core of certain things. And, and so I'm, I'm blessed to be able to say, I've been doing it ever since. Like I've never flipped a burger before. <laughs> so, you know, my story has always been in finance and started when I was 16 for a couple of years, worked for a bank, ironically, Washington mutual, which God rest its soul. In 08, it went, you know, out. I went to school, got an economics degree. I went to undergrad and I started at a broker dealer there. My first client ever was my roommate in college who got into a 
car accident in high school, came in freshman year with like $50,000, didn't know what to do with it. I mean, it was a kind of a cool story when you look back on it and he was still a client today, you know, which is cool. And so it's, it's one of those fun stories. And then I think over time, what happened was at the broker dealer for about six years and decided I needed to go independent because there were some things there that I wanted to further my career in doing my original passion, which was being at the core of working with people directly, like kneecap to kneecap. Nowadays, I guess, Zoom to Zoom, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and yeah, just helping them in their midst. I, I didn't want like a big brother situation where I had to sell things. I didn't want any of that. And I met some really great guys at One Capital who were just starting it up. And here we are 15, 16 years later, grew from about half of, you know, we had a couple hundred million dollars under management when I came over and now we're at 5.3 billion. And I simply share that number, not as a, out of a flex category. It's just out of a, I'm so blessed to be able to grow and work with so many families that have trusted us to help them with their money issues, money wounds. And it's just been a cool story. So that's a, the long and short of Brad Barrett becoming a financial advisor and 20 years in the making. Nice. I love that you were able to take a pretty traumatic situation in your, you know, your adolescence and flip it to this, you know, billion dollar business is something that you're clearly passionate about. It's awesome. You well, I think there's a story to that too, right? I think anything we do, money's going to come involve us in our conversation today. But yeah. if you got a passion behind it, and I would argue even a purpose behind it, in my opinion, I know this is going to sound crazy, but like you can't fail. Like the, and we'll talk about this, but the way we set up in our minds, these success markers of having to have a certain dollar amount in the bank or a certain KPIs in business or whatever it is, like if you're doing your thing, you should be doing, you can't fail. So true. That is so true. So you mentioned money wounds and and dealing with people's money wounds. Can you give us some more information about what that is, what your ideas are behind money wounds and how you personally help people to overcome them? Yeah. You know, in full candidness, and Peter and I, we were talking about this beforehand a little bit pre-show, and I, I I found over the past probably five to seven years of my career and my life to start, because I've done it so long now, I've been able to, to start sitting with clients who I've had for over a decade now and just really getting a little bit more intimate with them with regards to their money and almost taking a look under the surface of what we originally went into. And that's what set me off on this journey. And I really got into psychology around specifically money, I just started going really deep on that subject matter. And what I, and I'm by no means a doctorate in any psychological anything. So this is not by any means anything that, but this is more anecdotal and experience-based. And what I've realized when it comes to anything you want to call it, money wounds, money trauma, or just issues or stress, even just stress about money, which we all have in one shape or another, it boils down to two things for me that I've seen. And it's something I talk about. I've talked about in my book. I've talked about it on our show constantly. I talk about it with our clients. It's it's basically two forms of, of DNA, right? It's it's the first part is the the natural, you know, the God-given, the color of your eyes, things like that, that was just, it's ours, right? The second part is circumstantial. And in my case, for example, circumstantial is like what we live through, you know, good and bad, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, as they say. And I think it's how we take those experiences and what we do with them. And when it comes to money, why I think I talk about that so much, and people think it's interesting, like a financial therapy or that kind of conversation, no one particularly directly was hurt by money. It's largely indirectly hurt by money, largely because ever since we can remember, I don't care, it doesn't matter who you are, somehow money was manifested on you as if you it's a necessity. And, and it's true, 
right? We all think about it. It's one of those interesting things to say. People don't like to say this, but when's the last day, especially being an adult, that you've gone, Charlie, let's ask you, like without thinking at one point in the day about money? <laughs> right. I, honestly, no, I mean, it's it's been quite a while. It really it, has. It's, it's been, been a minute. Time. I mean, you think yeah. about it and you're kind of like, because I mean, even the cup of coffee you might have bought this morning, you're like, dang, I paid four fifty for that. Dude, I feel like that's expensive, right? <laughs> right or every two right. weeks you go to the gas station, you're like, dang, I'm paying what for what? And it's yep. just, it's just this thing that, you know, it 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 is. And and so I think what I've tried to share and why I've been so active over the past couple of years through our show and just getting out there was to kind of to talk about, to almost debunk it. You know, I think what's happening in the past five or 10 years too is society in general is we're able to which is really a huge blessing to talk about things that I think previous generations weren't able to talk about mm-hmm. everything from your feelings, your emotions, your anxieties, your stresses that's become. And so that's great. So I kind of wanted to say, Hey, let's use this ability these days to talk about something that everyone deals with and, and money is just at the core of it. And so as a financial advisor, we just take an approach here at our firm through really starts with discovery kind of understanding. And we, we call our first meeting with a client, like discovery, not some sort of like, you know, empirical data driven, like I need to know everything about you. I want to know, I want to know the qualitative stuff about a person. I want to know their hobbies, their interests, their values, their relationships, you know, their goals. Like, and you'll find as an experienced advisor on the other side, when someone says something, I'm actually helping them in in a therapy session, like almost mirror it back. Like, so when you go through trauma therapy, there's things, a thing called mirroring, right? Where it's kind of saying the thing out loud and and then this third party says it back to you. Yep. And it's weird, right? It's like, wait a minute, that's what I said? <laughs> and, <laughs> yes. and and it's like you hear it differently. Mm-hmm. And if we can take that same approach to a financial advising or a money conversation, it's pretty cool what, what comes from that. And people start realizing that you know their, their worry about money has a lot to do with the person next to them making them feel like they need to keep up with the Joneses per se, or whatever their phone or tablets tell them that they need or should look like that they're going to go pay for it. And it has these, you know, ramifications as it relates to all things being talked about nowadays around serotonin and dopamine and anxieties and stresses and feelings and right or wrong, people don't want to admit it, but money's a, money's of the top three inside there. That's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, I think I would even say this, like for me, one of my traumas speaking openly when I was 16 was almost trying to mask the trauma by out earning or out succeeding. So it could never happen to me. Yep. Right. That was that was a manifestation I took into my adulthood, into my business. And it's worked well because it's allowed me to thrive in terms of like building a really great practice to help people. But along the way, you have little hiccups that shine the light, as we all know, on a void that wasn't filled, that that's only a bandaid. And so you got to start talking about it. Right. And, you know, I will share this loud and clear because we'll talk about this. And, you know, from a guy who's been doing this for two decades, I've seen I've seen people with zeros behind their names that would blow our minds. I've seen people with one zero behind their name in terms of net worth, and they all have the same issue. Jay-Z might've said it best, more money, more problems. I'm telling you, it's real. So it's one of those things where no one wants to talk about it. It's easy to throw shade and be like, hey, you know, I wish I had that problem. You know what I mean? But there are, there's still a human, right? At the common denominator of all sides of the wealth discussion. and Yes, different issues. Some are having issues just paying for necessities and groceries nowadays. I talk about that a lot. Some are having issues with, you know, 
being bored because they have too much and don't know what to do with it. And now they have a crisis of identity because they never dealt with any traumas in their life. And now it's rearing its ugly head. And it's amazing what a drug money can be for a lot of people. And if we treat it like that, sometimes we can help addictions to it. We can help issues caused from it or by it. And this is something I've been passionate about forever. I, I could go on and on, I guess, on that. And I, it's just such a real thing for a lot of people. Absolutely. I, I can feel your your passion through my microphone uh, right now. And, and I will say, I wanted to ask you what you thought the difference between or what separated financial planning and financial therapy. But I really think you just told us how you even equated the discovery portion. It sounds like an assessment session of, you know, mm -hmm. before you start having a, a therapy relationship or a therapeutic relationship with a new client. And so I could really appreciate how you've used those therapeutic tools in a financial way, because I don't know that's something that I hear coming through from many other people who speak finances, it sounds like you really speak to people and not necessarily just to the money side because it you need more than just the money conversation. That's really you do. And you're right. And that's one thing I'm sad about, about my industry, because I, I do love what, what we do. And yes, in every industry, there's, we'll call them bad apples or unique people or whatever. But, you know, right or wrong, most of our experience with people in the money world is through TV, wearing pinstripe suits, sitting with a ticker behind their name, talking about just analytical data. And when someone, here's the thing I want to share. When someone says the market or the stock market, right? Yeah. Just to be clear, a market is a consortium of human beings. It's you and I, we make up a market. So it's like, you're talking about, you know, the frosting without talking about the cake. The frosting can't sit on the cake if there's no cake to sit on. You know what right. I mean? Like, so it's like, if you talk about the market, it's like, well, hold up. Forget the numbers for a second. Let's just let's just talk about who who are you? What, why are you have these fears and anxieties? Like when someone comes in and talks about, hey Brad, heard really good things. Just want to let you know, like I just had this this morning. That's why I'm bringing this up. You know, yeah, I heard, heard some good things. A friend of mine, you know, uses you guys. I really need some help. But I just want to be clear, like I do not like the stock market. And you know how many times I've heard that, by the way, in my career. You know, <laughs> and in one sentence, this comes from experience. This isn't kind of you know. Th throwing an accolade towards us per se, but I just want to share this openly, like through one sentence I said to him, it kind of almost brought down the war guns he was trying to bring to like the defenses he was bringing up here. Right. And it was very simple. It says, when's the last time you walked into a party with a bunch of people by yourself, knowing nobody? He says, I, I wouldn't do that. That's pretty uncomfortable. I'm like, that's how most people look at the stock market. You don't like it because you don't understand it. It's true of any human nature thing. We don't like, we don't understand. By the way, that's a lot of what society's issues are. You know, we don't like, we don't understand. And it's sad. It's a sad part of our history. But it's, if we if we talk about it and say, hey, look, take a look for a second. Like before we just say you don't like something or downplay something, spend the time to, you know, understand it. And I said, that's what we're here to do. My help, My job is to walk you through the trust environment of what we know and how we can help you kind of further your financial experience and with whatever goal or objective he or she was trying to create. You know what I mean? Right. And anyways, it just happened this morning. It was a discovery meeting and we were talking about it and it has to do with people. The market is people. We'll be right back after word from our sponsor. Most of us spend more time at work than anywhere else doing anything else. So why not spend that time in a job you love? Introducing Triad's Jobs Marketplace, the only job site dedicated specifically to behavioral and mental health professionals. 
featuring more than 1,000 open jobs from dozens of behavioral and mental health employers and searchable by location, professional field, employment type, specialization, and more. Jobs Marketplace helps you find your next career opportunity. Full-time, part-time, or gig time, make the most of your time. To access Jobs Marketplace, register for your free professional account at hellotriad.com slash bht. That's hellotriad.com slash bht. And then click to Jobs Marketplace. If you're already a member of the Triad community, visit app.hellotriad.com slash jobs. That's app.hellotriad.com slash jobs. Visit us today and take your next career step tomorrow. Speaking of fears that we, I think many of us have, we didn't, I know I personally did not grow up with many money or financial conversations or education around it. It was more like you have bills, you pay your bills, you get, you know, you go to work, that kind of thing. And so how does someone without a Brad Barrett in his life or her life, how does someone overcome those fears? And what would you say to someone who was fearful of getting assistance with their finances? Oh, good question. So let's just first off, just speak openly about the issue at first. I've been on a high horse for years about this. Like we need to be talking about things like this in high school. Like I I just, I will go publicly saying it anywhere and everywhere that, I mean, when's the last time you used Pythagorean theorem versus, Hey, how much did I save in my 401k this month? Probably more useful if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Anyways. So, you know, it isn't talked about and it's largely, especially and remember, a lot of money discussions have to do with generations. Remember, we're only one generation away from the Great Depression. So a lot of our grandparents living today, still right now, have lived through the 20s and 30s. Now, that generation, as we know, is sadly you know, passing and we're going to pick up on new generations. But if you focus on the root of that and say, hey, you know, someone who, to your latter part of that question, someone who's fearful about it, talking about the household, how they were raised, what was being discussed. It helps them understand why they may feel that way, right? It helps them see why they may have some fear. Give you an example, right? Someone who's got fear about, I mean, well, there's there's two sides to this. And then a couple of months ago, I had this experience happen that was wild and I've been sharing it. There was two clients of mine that had within a matter of, I'm not kidding you, like two weeks who had the same problem, we'll call it, or fear, Charlie, as you said, about money, but in completely different directions. One client was in their 50s. So, you know, and and their parents had just passed. All right? right. Their parents were in their 80s and they were concerned about money, fear of money at that point around not having enough because they're like, hey, they live to like 88. That's a really like, we're worried about running out of money. Right. Yeah. Literally two weeks later, same age group client, totally separate client, had their parents pass away. It was their dad. Their dad passed away but they were younger. They were in their sixties. Like they had the kids really young. Like they were in their late forties, early fifties. They were in their sixties and they were fearful about the, I'm going to live for today. Cause I don't know when tomorrow's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting, right? When you think about it, it's like this somewhat the same fear of money, but like in, in opposite directions, one was yeah. worried about not having enough and living too long or, and not having enough to live that long. The other one was like, Hey, I don't want to have too much. I want to live for today because God could call me back up tomorrow kind of thing. And so, you know, like a lot of things to address a question like that, a lot of it's just like anything, make the first step, you know, figure out how to be 
you know, comfortable in the uncomfortable. So if it's down to a conversation of talking with somebody, I would say nowadays you have a lot of media realms like YouTube for say where our show is or your guys' show is and, and, and podcasts and things like that to listen to somebody for a little bit to see like, oh, I like him. I like her or, 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 you know, they may be worth a discussion, you know, so versus like having to cold call somebody or, you know, mm-hmm. and feeling a little bit, you know, embarrassed by it, things like that. So thankfully nowadays we have a little bit easier process, I would say to like yeah. do that. And there's some rules that you can put in place within yourself. I think for those who I've talked to a lot of people and Charlie, I appreciate what you said there, like, you know, kind of where your background was, at, you know, and thank you for sharing. It's like one of those things where, you know, and this may not be you per se, but a lot of people come like I had zero money conversations in my household, like none. And yeah. so the basics of even like something simple that I tell people sounds really rudimentary, but it's so powerful. It's like the 70, 20, 10 rule. You ever heard of that? The 70, 30 rule. It's, it's whatever you make, regardless of where you're at and regardless of how it comes in, whatever you make income wise, live on 70%, save 20% for short term and 10% for long term. That's why it's 70, 30. I break it down a little bit more. But the reality is what that is. Imagine if an 18 year old heard that and believed that. It would be almost subliminal for him when he starts getting he or her got her job and started working. You see that? And then all of a sudden they kind of have that in their back of their mind. You know what I mean? And it's amazing what that can create because that can stave off things like debt or overspending and, and, you know, other things. Because people throw a lot of shade on the whole debt conversation. Like we're a bunch of overspenders, but you made a good point earlier. It's like, you know, people are, it's expensive nowadays to live. It's not like, it's just like, oh, no problem. Like everyone, you know, I see it all day. People yep. are incurring debt to pay basic bills. Yep. And so there is efficient ways to discuss that. There's no like easy fix. I'll just be open about that. There, there just okay. isn't. There's not a there's not a magic pill. Everyone, everyone, I've been asked that question a lot. Like, hey, you know, it's expensive. How do I do it? And there's so many ways you can go about that. I mean, you know, some people I've heard, I've literally heard some prominent people actually in the financial world just say, oh, just go earn more. Just go, you know, make more money. I'm just like, what? So it's just an interesting dynamic where it's like, if you were to really just, okay, one one thing I will say to that, if you just stood there and looked really, really hard, looked at your money, what you were spending, I can almost guarantee you, and I don't throw that word out lightly, that you will find things that you probably don't need to spend on. Okay. Okay. That's a very easy first base. Okay. One easy thing I do every year with my wife, she hates it, <laughs> but <laughs> do it. And it's just what I believe in, what I preach. Like every January, we'll go back and take the last 12 months of our the credit card that we use to like pay our family bills, basically what we most of our stuff. And I just take all 12 months, no matter what happened, you know, dogs need to go to the vet, kids got sick and co-pays, you, you know, tires blew out, all the things that happened within a matter of 12 months, whatever it may be. And I just divide by 12. And I say, that's our monthly outflow. Okay. I add the mortgage to that, for example, because it's not on our credit card. That's our monthly monthly outflow. And every year I just try to say, hey, look, a goal of ours is to reduce that by 25%. So if it was, you know, $4,000 as an example, the idea for this, this year is to reduce that to $1,000 and put it somewhere. Okay. And so the one thing I'll share is I have, I have a lot of experience with this and people say, you know, it's, that sounds really great, Brad. <laughs> it's easier said than done. And I'm well aware. But one of the things about money is, you know, money's a lot, money's like water. Like if you don't tell it where to go, it'll go wherever it wants. So you have to be in control of where you're sending it. 
Mm -hmm. And so you may not have the ability to go and set up a side hustle and go do ATM machines, go do Amazon fulfillment, all these things that are out there in the world. But you probably, if you're employed somewhere with a 401k, you probably have the ability real quickly to put $10 towards your 401k. Even $10. I mean, I'm you know, and see how that affects your income and your life, right? And you probably have a way to take a look and say, do I need Starbucks every day? You know, I mean, there's, and I know those things sound small, but they add up, mm -hmm. right? And those things do matter. And so again, no magic pill per se, but it's some rules of thumb there, like the 70-30 rule that I call the 25% rule. In fact, I did a whole course on that, on the debt you know, management course. And I spoke large about the 25% rule because it's actually worked really well, you know, for a lot of people. It, it somehow it, I don't know why it, it sat with people in my client base. And so I started using that to kind of help people with that and just something for people to consider, I guess. Nice, nice. And thank you for the 70, 20 or 70, 30 rule. I wrote that down because I'm going to use it myself. Um, and so in, in discussing times and, and how hard they are, how can we change our mindset and, and try to create more healthy goals or healthy mindsets? And so I, I heard you mention that you and your wife every year, you sit down and kind of look back at the year previous um, and make sure that you are trying to spend less money in the year following. What are some other tips and tricks that you have for us going forward? Well, first things first, when this or if it's ever comes out, if you have any social media on this, you'll see my wife commenting, be like, yeah, let me talk to you about this. It is terrible. Every January, she'll give you a whole paragraph. <laughs> I'm joking, but maybe not. I don't know. You know, it's funny. The other day, it kind of came out of nowhere. I, I'd said it on a, one of our, our, on our radio show we do. And I was like, you know, the one, the one, and it starts with this answer I want to give you here is the one place in this expensive world we can actually stay for free is our lane. And what I mean by that is a lot of our spending comes from, you know, oh, you know, what is, what is, you know, what is Charlie got going on over there? That seems pretty cool. I want that sweater. Ooh, that sounds really good. I want that, you know, that Starbucks at three o'clock. That's a good, that, 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 that's a good choice. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying go and hibernate in a hole by any means, but taking a look at your surroundings and helping yourself, you know, focus on what you are spending. Like it's basically control what you can control, right? Cause we can't, sadly, we can't control that inflation is kind of out of whack right now. We can't control gas prices where they're at or milk and all the things that are going up right now. But we are able to take a look at for the time being until those things flatten out until sadly, until pay increases at wages do go up, which I do think they should, you know, across the board. When you see five or 6% inflation and you see someone getting a bonus or a, a pay increase for the following year at 2%, you're kind of like, you know, but at the same time, if you look at national averages, which is what we have to do, the national average still with inflation, believe it or not, end of last year was still right in the three and a half percent range. I know it sounds crazy. So a lot of a lot of money and a lot of interest rates is all about perception, you know, because mm -hmm. the media just tells us what you want to hear. And they only, you know, they, we get really myopic with it. But the reality is it's still actually fairly in check comparatively, you know, on average doesn't, by the way, that doesn't make it easier to pay your gas at the pump or anything like that. But it just sometimes a little perspective helps. So focusing on the things that you can control, as sad of an answer as that may be, is is really how I'd answer that. It's it's nothing sexier than that. It's just like, it's like, hey, if you can control your variable expenses to the point where you're able to work out over time 
income or, or offset some things. Like maybe you're spending too much in rent right now and you can downsize and you have the ability. You just don't really want to, or I mean, I, you know, there's, is there examples? Yeah. Those are ways to kind of look at that. Nice. Nice. I appreciate the the concrete tips though, because generally, like you've mentioned, we can't always, we can't change inflation. We can't change how much, how much gas I need to put in my car to get to work or whatever. But being able to really think about what things I can change is important. So you mentioned starting younger and, and there are some states that are implementing economics and personal finance classes. I'm in North Carolina and our high school students have yeah. to have it. In South Carolina, it was just added in the last year. Would you say that there's like a perfect time to start educating children on this and what types of tools would you use to, to do that type of education at home? Ooh, good question. You know, years ago, I used to do something I called it kids finance coach. <laughs> My mom was a teacher, so she taught second grade and fourth grade. And, you know, unbeknownst to me, I, so this leads to your answer. Like I would go in and talk to second graders, you know, can you imagine that conversation about money, <laughs> you know? And so I had to kind of design a curriculum. It was, to be fair, it was somewhat on the spot because I don't, you know, it was like, what am I going to talk to like an eight-year-old about, you know? Right. But it was like simple as like, hey, what's a bank? I mean, honestly, kids' answers are hilarious, right? Like, what's a bank? What's a dollar? So I don't know if there's a specific age, but I will just share loud and clear for anyone listening or watching this because I doubt a 10-year-old is listening to this, but hopefully. Um, <laughs> but whoever you are, whatever age or stage or season of life you're in, the answer is now. Like, that's that's what I'll say. The answer is now. So don't put it off. Big thing I say often, it has a lot to do with investing, but just in money, you know, education in general, you know, the, it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. Believe it or not, our biggest, you know, blessing and biggest curse when it comes to money is not a number. It's not a rate of return. It's not a performance trigger. It's nothing like that. It's, it's actually a four-letter word. It's time. So the more you, you, t you give yourself that, the better. But that being said, it can work against us as the curse, as I said. I've talked to a lot of 40s and 50-year-olds and the first thing out of their mouth is like, you know, I'm, I'm middle-aged now. I'm not old, but I'm not young. So I just blew past it. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to do my thing and live it. And I'm telling you right now, like, that's just not a good philosophy. Unless you're 90 years old, <laughs> you know, now is the right answer. And I think there's just some basics that I think hopefully are in those courses. I did start seeing that, Charlotte. I was really, I'm, I'm happy to see that, that we're starting to do those things and, you know, been a long time coming, right? I just, I hope they're teaching some basics, not just in terms of economics, not just in terms of banking or mortgages, but things that we know, like as a certified financial professional, a CFP, like a designation I had to go get, you know, and I, I really cherish because it helps me help my clients better. There's little rules and tips. The 70-30 rule is a great one. Mm -hmm. When it comes to numbers, the rule of 72, you guys heard of that one? It's kind of yeah. fun. Whatever, whatever interest rate, you divide that by 72, the output the number that it comes out to is the amount of years it takes your money to double. Interesting. So if you're earning, if you're earning 9%, I mean, that's a very great rate of return, but if you, mm -hmm. if hypothetically you're earning 9%, it's going to take you eight years for your amount to double. So if you have a thousand dollars, you're earning 9%, mm -hmm. eight years, that amount will double. It's okay. actually factually data. It's crazy, right? So you kind of yeah. roll that average down to 5% to be very conservative, right? And you start seeing kind of how those things play out. And what it does is that it allows you to not give up too soon or get, you know, tiresome when it comes to the money game. Like, you ever read the book Atomic Habits by James Clear? I haven't. I haven't. 
Oh, it's a great book. You guys will like it. It's it was actually a New York bestseller a couple of years ago. It's about habits, um, habitual natures. He he did a great job with it. I mean, a lot of people have written on that, but but he there was a th- I mean, I've heard this theory before, but the way he wrote it was good. You ever heard of the ice cube theory? No. Right. So we know we know water freezes at 32 degrees. Mm-hmm. Okay. So imagine that in years, right? And it's unbelievable to me, and I get it because it gets tiresome where it's like, imagine how many people quit, say, oh, this investment game's not worth it. All I'm putting in, the, the market's taking it, so on and so forth. Things are going out of whack. I'm spending too much because I can't control inflation, so on and so forth. And we quit and give up at year 29. But the water, in terms of money, hasn't actually done what you wanted to do until year 32. It's kind of a weird philosophy. You think about it because there's a lot of studies on this too. It's like if someone were to give you a million dollars right now or one cent that doubles every day for the next 30 days, which one would you choose? Actually, I'll ask you, which one would you choose? Million dollars right now. (laughs) There we go. Million dollars right now or one penny that doubles every day for the next 30 days. Well, off the top of my head, because I'm going to say a million dollars. Of course you are. I did. I, everyone, everyone will. Yeah. It has a lot to do with this, with this question and, and this concept, because educating around this is important. By the way, the, the end number of a penny doubling every, every day for 30 days is over $5 million. But, but here's what's, here what's more crazy. It doesn't actually get up to even remotely close to that number until the 29th and 30th day. We know this as compound interest. You've heard that term before, where money makes money and then the next year the money makes money on that money. That's Mm -hmm. like snowball effect. And so a lot of my discussions is about time. It's time theory. It's like, hey, you're not really, you know, you're not really investing, you're investing for time. And so that's, like I said, the four letter word is so important in any financial discussion is time. Nice. Nice. Thank you for that. I wasn't planning on talking about that, but there you go. Little tidbits for I you. I mean, hey, it was good though. I'll take it. So okay. can you tell us more about your book, Retire Right? So tell us what the secret is to being able to retire at whatever age you choose and being able to afford that lifestyle that you want. Well, when you figure that out, will you let me know? Because I'd love to have a lot of clients that <laughs> would love to know that. No, no the, book, the book is, it's on that subject matter. And I called it Retire Right largely because you're right is different than my right. And I think that's the first step of realizing that someone's retirement theory or what marketed it to us, we don't realize this, but a lot of times we're marketed to subliminally. And like, that may not be your, what you want to have happen in your retirement. The first thing I clarify in our the book that I wrote that I really loved about was understanding that retirement doesn't necessarily mean you have to be 65 years old. Like that's kind of key point number one. Everyone, when someone hears the word retirement, they're like, oh, you're talking about older people, right? I'm like, no, I'm not. Because to your question earlier, retirement actually starts when you're 18, when you're 16, even when you get your first job, you're kind of starting the clock. And retirement to me, as I specify in the book, is largely, largely about financial independence, which is a huge thing nowadays, which I really love. It's becoming financially independent from a source of income. That's it, right? It's a fancy way of saying retirement, but that's, or it's a longer way, I should say, but that's all it is. That could happen in your 30s and 40s. It really, it, remember, it's it's two part. We love to throw kind of like, oh, my company's not paying me enough, or I'm stuck in a dead end job, and I and I I get that. But I talk to people. I want to like inspire them a little bit. I'm like, hey, look, you're 50 percent of the story here because you can absolutely control your world with what you can control, right? 
back to the stuff we talked about, minding what's going out, making sure you're living within your means. I, I'm well aware that this may not be a life of luxury or what you're seeing on social media, which can cause anxiety and fears and depression. Yeah. And that's where the financial you know, therapy comes in because it's important to talk those things out and realize like, wait a minute, do you actually want that? Or are you just kind of somewhat covert jealous of someone else who has it? You know what I mean? Right. Mm -hmm. And how that manifests in you. So the book was largely written kind of around the, the strategies and key theories about retirement, how to retire right for you. You know, it's more anecdotal than anything. I, I hope to in the future look to write a, a, a something else that's a little more on the nose from a, from a humanistic standpoint. This one, it was largely written. I almost tried to boil down like a financial plan experience of retirement planning into like okay. a book form. But, you know, over time, hopefully I'll get a, another one out there. I have a big notion I've always wanted to write about called inner wealth that I think is really a, a, a cool thing for people to talk about. Because I think end of the day, any wealth you have starts inside of you, right? Worth is probably the best commodity we can have and we can only have it for ourselves. So anyways, that's a lot kind of discussed in the book and how we kind of treat, you know, any kind of financial advising. Nice, nice. Is there a hallmark story that you can share of someone that you worked with that has suffered from money wounds, like you were mentioning, or or kind of started out like both of us, where we didn't have any formal education, you know, about finances at all? And so, what then was their success like? And like you mentioned, their mm -hmm. success is their own. And so, what what did it look like for them? You know, that's a good question. I, you know, there's one that always stuck out to me. I think. I have a lot of different like case study stories that have different meanings, but the one that stuck out to me the most, and I, I don't, I guess I know why, but it's a client's been with me for 15 years, husband and wife, they have, they have three boys and like every household, you know, it, it's different. You know, some people, you know, we all take roles on in our relationship. In, in this client's case, she was the overseer of the finances. We, her and I were mostly talking you know, vis-a-vis -vis her plan and the money discussions. And the husband, we would talk every quarter as a full-on formal review. But I got to know her really well. And, and, and through that process, I did what I was talking about in terms of like understanding who she was, how she ticked. And I guess what I'm trying to share is over time, I started realizing that her identity was really wrapped up in being a really loving mother to these three boys, but every day feeling like she was failing them in terms of money because it was always tight. You know, she always felt like she was robbing Peter to pay Paul, as most American families feel and most families around the world feel. And I remember this one meeting we had and, you know, it was I've, I've had this enough because you get these conversations and you hit people in certain periods of their life where. And the husband was there, too. She was just we started talking. She was just bawling. I mean, she was just beside herself. It was just a, her both, all, all two of the boys were in high school. The other was in middle school. They were going to private Christian school, which in California is very expensive and trying to validate it. But also her belief system was the public school wasn't right for their family. And so it was just all these things going on. And I remember thinking in that meeting, I just stopped for a second and I just almost like in bullet point form rattled off the wins of, for her. I said, they're healthy. You have a loving relationship you're healthy. The boys adore you and care for you. I've seen them in your household talk to you. They feel loved by you. They are in a private school to which you, to her, their value for education was very big in their household. It doesn't have to be for everybody, but it was for them. And as I was saying that, you could see her body language. She just needed kind of a, you know, and her whole history of money was 
stress and anxiety from her family. We started talking about it. She's like, we had nothing. Like I, I had to pay for everything. I just didn't want that for my family. I said, well, you're doing that. Do you realize that? And in this meeting, it was like kind of transformative because she just realized like, I am. And a lot of one, there's a theory in economics that is also a theory just in psychology as well around, we always remember the $1 loss more than the $10 gain. It's the way our brain is kind of works, right? Like Mm -hmm. God created a great brain for us. It's amazing, right? But it's designed to protect us, not necessarily enhance our life. So the grooves that she had in her her life was basically telling her she wasn't doing enough because she because she was coming from such an area that you know of just stress around money mm-hmm. that I said hey you basically sprinkled new powder on that mountain like you're creating a whole new path for you and your next generation and your boys and I just always remember that it, I, I don't know if it totally directly answered your question it was just a story that I remember and still a client today and we just it was just really it's sometimes really a joy to be in that seat to kind of and I didn't do anything special I was just rattling off what she'd already done. It's amazing how it had nothing to do with performance. It had nothing to do with interest rates or nothing. No, no economics, no election year, market this, whatever this, right? It was simply an inner wealth thing that was, you know, manifesting itself and just basically the devil and her subconscious or, you know, the bad part were just telling her she wasn't doing enough and that's not right. right. And I think a lot of us have that. We don't give it enough credit. And mm-hmm. so I think either doing it yourself or talking with someone, talking it out with someone, really helps. It really does. Absolutely. And you did definitely answer my question because what you did was unearth those money wounds for her that she probably had not even thought about before. And you helped her see the other side of that. That's awesome, Brad. So before we finish up here, can you leave us with a final word? So what is one thing that people can do in their finances today to take a step forward to reaching that retirement life that they would like? It's going to be as simple as ever. <laughs> I kind of alluded to it. We talked about it, but start now. Like, don't wait. You know, it's great. We're talking here in January. This might come out whenever it's going to come out, but start now. New year, new you, whatever it is, but start now. I mean, I it's nothing more complex than that. It's amazing, speaking of all the stuff we've talked about today, how complex we can make very simple things. Mm-hmm. And we do this across our life. And money, everyone wants to make you feel like you're lesser than when it comes to money. People, the news pundits want to act like they're smart and all this stuff and make you feel like, man, I don't know anything about that. Or the neighbor, the person next door is having more success with you at this current moment. And you just feel like you don't know where to start and you're in quicksand and I don't even want to get started. I just want to go eat a rack of Oreos and watch Netflix. You know, if that's me, I'd rather do that. No, that's but, you know, oh, that's it's like, it's a nice, like, I don't want to deal with it. Right. And then, but the problem is, and the next day happens and the next day happens. So start now. It's nothing really complex, but find that person, find someone to also talk it out with, you know, find counsel, find an advisor, you know, and it doesn't have to be us. I'm, it's, it's a big advocate for just, I'm a big advocate for that, for counseling when it comes to finances. Awesome. And so speaking of seeking someone or finding someone to speak with, how can someone do that? Like, where do you find? Great question, actually. So one thing you can do nowadays is you can actually, believe it or not, you can Google <laughs> like financial advisor near me. CFP, the Certified Financial Planning Board, actually created a, a really good CFP credentialed advisory like location. So like I'll be listed on there. So if someone Googled it in the Los Angeles area, I'd probably come up because they do it by locale, right? Okay. Now, the one cool thing nowadays is you don't necessarily have to have someone in your hometown. If nowadays with Zoom and everything, it could be someone that you know may not be. So, but you know, believe it or not, that actually works. I also think 
this could be a double-edged sword when I say this. So it's a great question, but like talk to people you do already trust and feel intimate with, right? Maybe it's a neighbor, a family member, a, a really good friend who might be using somebody and maybe go and talk with their person. Because if you like them, there's obviously some similarities that your friend or your whoever, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it might be some common ground. Doesn't mean, you know, you want to interview a couple, right? Have some time to talk to right. some people. And I would share this, like, you want to find someone who's independent, doesn't have big brother looking over you and has a bunch of like stuff being sold to you. You, I would highly recommend finding someone credentialed, right? Someone with a CFP or a CFA, because it kind of shows you that, look, I'll be completely frank with everybody. So everyone listening here, the barrier of entry in this business is not high. Okay. And I know it sounds really sad to say, but the 65 license that we have to get to become a, you know, a, an advisor to help manage assets is not the hardest test in the world, to be fair. Okay. So you want to find someone who's credentialed, who's taken that extra step to, you know, go get a certified financial planning designation or a certified private wealth advisor, CPWA or CFA. Those are really good designations. Okay. Mind you, also be fearful of someone with alphabet soup behind their name because they might be spending more time in the books than actually helping people. But which leads me to my last one, I'd say when you're looking for someone is experience. You know, you want to find someone who, and experience, not just like being in it for 20 years or whatever, someone who actually can help your situation. Like I get a great question for people to ask is, you know, I've kind of described to you a little bit of my situation. Like, do you, do you help clients in my line of work? Do you help clients in my line of goals and objectives I want to achieve? Like, it's okay to ask those things okay. and see how they answer it. You know, there's a lot of practices that focus on niche plays. In fact, One Capital, our firm, we've made an entire business out of that. We believe in the model of having, you know, best practices of the right advisor working with the right clientele. Like I work very closely with first responders. My stepfather was a battalion chief for Los Angeles City Fire Department. So I work mainly with fire and police personnel because I know their plan. I also grew up in that household. So I, un I know what they go through, which is different. They don't work nine to five, right? So they right. like the fact that someone came from the family and knows that they're working three days, not with their family, what that means for all the discussions we have. I have plenty of advisors who focus on, we have a whole sports and entertainment division focuses on that I help oversee as well in terms of like some of the things here domestically. We do things internationally. We have people focusing on dental practices, specifically dentists. I mean, so, any, so I'm saying, take a look at what you do and, mm -hmm. and make sure you share that with someone and say, Hey, can, does this work for you? Am I the right fit for you? And vice versa. Nice. Thank you for that. And so where can our listeners learn more about make your money matter? Um, your book, retire, right? The rest of your work, tell us where we can find you. Yeah. Well, our firm, one capital management, you can go to our website is always a great place. Onecapital.com. There you can find out all about me, our, our, all of our advisors here at the firm, as well as our philosophies. You can also go to our network and media page on our homepage there, and you can find our YouTube channel. You can also go to YouTube and just type in Make Your Money Matter with Brad Barrett. We post videos two times a week on different subject matters. A lot of it's evergreen. So, you know, these are things that are, you know, if it was even a show from a year ago, still would pertain to today. And there's other shows that we do that are more topical for sure. So yeah, and I think, you know, Website onecapital.com, make your money matter on YouTube. Our podcast is also on any podcast platform, Spotify, SoundCloud, the Apple iTunes app on our phone. And yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Brad, this has been quite a wonderful discussion. I'm kind of uh, sad to see it end, but it has been lovely. Thank you for joining us. Charlie, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And thank you to our listeners for taking the time to join Brad and I today. 
The resources for this episode and an archive of all of our other episodes can be found on our webpage at triadhq.com bht. And we look forward to having you back with us next time on Behavioral Health Today. We appreciate all the support from our community. And if you like our show, one of the best ways you can support it is by giving us a five-star rating and leaving a review. Behavioral Health Today is a podcast part of the Tribe Network, all rights reserved.